Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D. from Coffee with Carrie. Welcome to Season 2 of Coffee with Carrie podcast. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think you'll be encouraged. What better time to learn about our amazing body and the human heart than in the month of February? You know, according to the National Heart Association, February is American Heart Month, and February 7th is National Heart Day. And with Valentine's in the air and candy and paper hearts everywhere, this is a great time of the year to amp up your science studies by learning about our circulatory system and the human heart. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I love all things science. I love experimenting. I love making science messes in the kitchen. And I even love dissecting things. But I know that not all of you share my love of science and messy kitchen experiments. I know some of you would rather listen to fingernails on a chalkboard than watch another volcano explode on your kitchen counter or explain why the experiment didn't work yet again. So I thought in this week's podcast, I Heart Science, I would share with you some of our family's favorite February science activities and some of the activities I've done over the years in my mad science co-op classes during the month of February. It's a way to inspire you, encourage you, and help you get over your love-hate relationship with science. So first, let me get one thing straight. As much as I love science, the kids and I didn't do science every day. We just didn't have the time, and quite frankly, I didn't have that much energy. We usually did science about once or twice a week. I also did it this way, so once it was time for our science lessons, we could spend more time on whatever it was we were doing. Besides, doing a lot of activities and crafts and experiments can take a while to set up, to actually do them, and then the cleanup always takes a while too. So I usually focused on science just once, maybe twice a week, to make sure we had enough time for our reading and exploring. So for my sanity, and because I'm type A and need to plan everything, we would focus on certain topics each week during the month of February. The first week, we focused on the overall circulatory system. The second week, we focused on the heart. The third week, we learned about the makeup of blood. And then the last week of February, we focused on exercising and keeping our heart healthy. You can organize your heart studies any way you want, and you can certainly do these activities every day instead of doing them just once a week. It's really up to you and what fits your schedule better. You can do the heart activities and experiments once a week in February, or you can do one fun thing a day. Now, the first week of February, I suggest you focus on the circulatory system. This way, your kiddos first get a general introduction about the heart and how it works. And there aren't too many picture books out there just on the topic of the heart or on the circulatory system. But Usborne Books and DK each have great human body encyclopedias. They're full of great information and photos and diagrams. Now, the first week of February, we would skip to the chapters on the circulatory system in one of those books, the Usborne or the DK, and we'd read those pages as an introduction about the circulatory system. 
After we would read about the parts of the circulatory system and we looked at all the really cool diagrams, we would draw a simple circulatory system in our science notebook. When the kids were younger, I would print out a simple outline of a person, or I would draw an outline of a gingerbread type kind of person for them to put in their science notebook. Then, while looking at the DK or the Usborne Encyclopedia pages about the circulatory system, they would draw in the major parts. I made sure they included the heart, the lungs, and the main veins and arteries that connect them. When they were older, they added more to their drawings and labeled the diagrams with more detail. Now, for your high school students, I suggest using the book, The Complex Circulatory System, God's Wondrous Machine by Dr. Collendine. It's written from a biblical worldview and a Christian perspective. For fun, we would watch the classic Schoolhouse Rocks video, Do the Circulation. It's a fun video that explains how the circulatory system works. We also love singing the circulation song to the tune of Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And don't worry, if you visit Coffee with Carrie website, I have for you all of the links to the songs, the videos, the books, and all the handouts that I mentioned in this podcast. You can do another fun and very visual activity that shows how the blood travels through the circulatory system and the four chambers of the heart using a diagram worksheet and red and blue yarn. The red and blue yarn represent the oxygenated and the non-oxygenated blood and how the blood travels into, through, and out of the heart. The directions in the diagram handouts can be found in the book Easy to Make and Learn Projects, The Human Body by Donald Silver. Again, I have a list of the books and links at Coffee with Carrie website in this week's blog article. Since the circulatory system is made up of miles and miles of blood vessels like capillaries, veins, and arteries, this is also a good week to talk about what bruises are and how they're formed. As you're doing the experiment, introduce the words blood vessels and capillaries to your child. Now, blood vessels carry blood through our bodies. And then explain that capillaries are little blood vessels that are right underneath our skin. When our skin is hit hard, but isn't cut open, some of these capillaries pop or break, and then the blood cells collect under our skin. Since there's no cut in the skin, the blood pools in one spot under the skin, creating a bruise. Here's a great way to show how bruises are formed. You will need just a few things some red grapes or very ripe blueberries, a few paper towels, and a Ziploc bag. To show how we get bruises, wrap a few of the grapes in a paper towel and then place them inside a Ziploc bag. Then let your kids hit and bang on the bag with their hands and watch the grape juices spread into the fibers of the paper towel. The grapes are the capillaries and the bag acts as the skin. It does not allow it to bleed outside of the skin or the bag, but it does allow the blood or the juices to gather under the skin and the paper towel. If you keep science journals, have your child draw a picture of what you did and explain in their own words what they saw and how bruises are formed. Now, the second week of February, we usually focused on the heart since Valentine's Day is during the second week of February. Don't feel like you need to do all of these activities, and of course, it also depends on the ages of your kiddos which activities you attempt. Now first, ask your kids to show you their hand. Then, have them make a fist. 
explain to them that their heart is roughly the size of their clenched fist. The heart grows in proportion to the rest of the body. So once you stop growing, your heart stops growing. One of our favorite activities was to make homemade red and blue Play-Doh and then create a 3D model of the heart. With younger students, just explain that the heart is actually a very strong muscle and that it's divided into four parts or chambers. Compare our four-chambered heart to a two-story home with two large rooms upstairs, those are the atriums, and two large rooms downstairs, those are the ventricles. The veins in the arteries are like the stairs. They are what allow the blood to circulate or move up and down and in and out of the four different rooms or chambers. Then, when they make their 3D model, keep it simple. Just take two clumps of red Play-Doh and make a half of a heart shape. Then, using two clumps of the blue Play-Doh, make the other half of the heart shape. Now, even though the heart isn't really shaped like a Valentine heart, younger kids can relate to this better. The main idea is to show them in a 3D model that there are four parts or chambers to the heart two red and two blue. Older students can actually look at a diagram of the heart in a Usborne or DK encyclopedia or a labeled diagram of the heart and create a more detailed 3D model from the photos. You can also make an edible heart with graham crackers, blue and red icing, and different sized marshmallows. We did this really fun activity the year that we used the Apologia Human Body Young Explorer series. A similar activity was found in that book. Now, the four large rectangle graham crackers represent each chamber of the heart. Arrange them so that you have two on top and two on the bottom. Spread some red icing on two crackers on one side of the heart. This is the oxygenated side of the heart. Then spread some blue icing on the two crackers on the other side. This is the non-oxygenated side of the heart. Then, using large marshmallows, we would icing some red for the ascending aorta and some blue for the vena cava and the pulmonary artery, and then looking at a diagram of the heart, they would attach them to the correct heart chambers. If you want, you can even attach a few mini marshmallows together with toothpicks, ice in them with red icing, and attach them to the red side of the graham cracker heart to represent smaller veins. If you're feeling very adventurous, you can order a dissecting kit from Homeschool Science Tools. The kids and I have been known to dissect a few things over the years, like a sheep's heart and a cow's heart. The kit from Homeschool Science Tools is only $11, and it comes with everything you need, including the sheep's heart, a dissecting guide, and the dissecting tools. You can also build a working heart model. One model is super easy using just a styrofoam cup, a balloon, two straws, and some water. Another version is a bit more complicated, but it really shows the pumping action of the heart. For the more complicated model, you will need three water bottles, some red and blue colored water, and just a few bendable straws. For the directions, don't forget to visit Coffee with Carrie website. I share a link with directions for both working heart models. One is great for younger kids, and one is super awesome for older and high school kids. Now, during the third week of February, we would focus on the components of blood. There's a great picture book you can read together called Drop of Blood by Paul Showers. 
After reading the book, make some edible blood. Over the years, we have fun making two different kinds of edible blood. If you want to show the, com the four components of blood, you can make the jello version. Make some red jello. This is the plasma. Now, before the jello sets, add some white marshmallows for the white blood cells, some red hot candies or red jelly beans for the red blood cells, and pieces of red vines. The red vines are your platelets. Then put it in the refrigerator to set. When it's ready, you can reread the book, Drop of Blood, and talk about what each component of the blood does as you eat your model. Now, another cooking experiment my son loved was making fake blood. When he was 9 or 10, he was really into stage makeup and trying to make realistic cuts, bruises, wounds, and burns on his arms and face to try and freak out his sister and friends. He loved this recipe for edible fake blood since he could eat it too. All you need is a cup of corn syrup, two tablespoons of water, two tablespoons of red food coloring, about two tablespoons of chocolate syrup because this is what gives it its thick, deeper red color, and two tablespoons of cornstarch. Once you combine them all together, it looks and feels like real blood. My son would smear it all over his face and the fake wounds he created with the stage makeup, and then he would lick his fingers after he was done. You can also talk about the different kinds of blood types and the importance of blood type compatibility when donating blood or receiving a blood transfusion. To explain this in a very visual way, you can do a super easy experiment to explain different blood types. All you need are 16 cups filled with water, four cups for each blood type, blood type A, blood type B, blood type AB, and of course blood type O. Some red food coloring and some blue food coloring. Basically, what you do is combine different colored waters or blood types to see what happens. If the color of the blood, the dyed water, changes, the blood types are incompatible. But if the color of the blood or the dyed water stays the same, then the blood types are compatible. To do this super simple experiment, all you need to do is fill the 16 cups with water, then put some red food coloring in four cups. They represent type A blood. Then put blue food coloring in four other cups. These cups will represent the type B blood. Then put some blue and red food coloring in four more cups to make a purplish color. This will represent type AB blood. Then leave only plain water in the last four cups. This will represent type O blood. Then start experimenting. Now pour one type of blood into another cup of blood. If the colors stay the same, like when you mix type A with type A, then the blood types are compatible. Or if you mix type AB, the purplish color, with type A, you'll notice that the colors don't change. So A, B, and A are compatible. But if the blood or the water changes colors, then the blood types are incompatible. For example, when you pour type O blood, which is the plain water, into a cup of type B blood, which is blue, you'll notice that the water changes colors. Therefore, O is not compatible with B. Blood type O individuals, which are known as universal donors, can only receive type O blood, but they can donate blood to everybody else without the colors changing.
This is really a fun, easy, and visual way to explain different blood types. Then, if you're feeling really adventurous, or you have older students in high school, and you have an extra $12 on hand, you can order a single-use blood type kit from Homeschool Science Tools website. The kit from Home Science Tools comes with everything you need to test one person's blood type. It also includes a guide and sterile equipment. Make sure you visit Coffee with Carrie website. I have for you the link to this kit and the heart dissection kit. Then, during the last week of February, focus on how to keep your heart healthy. First, read the book Hear Your Heart by Paul Showers. Now, don't forget to visit my website. I have a link to this book and the other books I've mentioned in the podcast. Then get your hands on a stethoscope or just make one. It's easy to make. All you need is an empty paper towel tube or an empty toilet paper tube, some duct tape, and a plastic funnel. Secure the funnel to the paper towel tube with some duct tape. Then once you place the funnel end to your child's chest, you will be able to hear his or her heartbeat. Then do some experiments with finding your pulse and comparing your resting pulse rate to your heart rate after exercising. Show your kiddos how to find and take their pulse. When they can find and feel their pulse, count the number of beats in 15 seconds, and then multiply this number by four to calculate your beats per minute. A normal resting heart rate should be around 60 to 100 beats per minute, but it can vary depending on age and health. Children who are ages 6 to 15 typically have a heartbeat of 70 to 100 beats per minute, and adults 18 and over, it's usually around the 60 to 100. Doctors say the slower your resting heart rate is, the more in shape you are. Then design different exercises to do, like jumping jacks, sit-ups, running, burpees, dancing, anything like that. Then have each person in your family take and record their resting heart rate, and then spend three minutes doing some kind of exercise. After exercising, take and record everyone's heart rate. Talk about how the rate is faster because our heart needs to work harder to supply more blood and oxygen to our bodies as we exercise. Do this once a day during the week with different kinds of exercises to see which exercises cause your heart rate to race the fastest. And try not to do too many exercise experiments back to back. You won't really get a reliable resting heart rate in between each exercise. If your kids are in middle school or high school, then assign them different heart diseases or heart disorders to research and write reports about. And try to pick diseases or disorders that run in your family or diseases that are super rare. I find my own kids were more interested in researching diseases they had firsthand experience with. It made the research more meaningful and interesting for them. Now, both of my kids at different times have researched the disease called bicuspis aortic valve, and researched heart murmurs, because my son was born with both. My son, for obvious reasons, wanted to learn about his heart defects, especially after his yearly visits with his cardiologist. After his annual EKGs and echocardiograms, his questions got better and harder to answer. He actually did some extra research on his own a few years ago, when his cardiologist told him that as an athlete and a baseball player, He needed to make sure his heart could handle the strenuous physical exertion, and when he started lifting weights and doing a little bodybuilding, he wanted to know how to safely do deadlifts and things like that 
since his cardiologist told him that his heart did have limits, especially as he got older. My daughter, over the years, has researched things like congestive heart failure, abnormal heart rhythms, along with sleep apnea, and the use of pacemakers. All because these are terms and things that she heard over the years with regards to different family members and her grandparents. After picking a heart disease or disorder and researching it, have your kiddos write a paragraph or report about it. Make sure they include the symptoms, causes, treatments, and preventions of each disease. If it applies, ask them to draw or include pictures of what the heart looked like with that particular disease or disorder. Each week, we would also play a game to help us learn new information and to review what we discussed each week. Sadly, there aren't too many anatomy board games out there or games that focus specifically on the heart and the circulatory system. So one year, the kids and I created our own game called the Circulatory Dice Game. It's super easy to play. All you need is a pair of dice, the question and task cards, and copies of the game pieces. It's designed for homeschooling families who have multiple age kids playing at the same time, and no previous knowledge of the heart or circulatory system is needed to play. Students learn about the heart every time they play the game. I even came up with two sets of directions, one for younger students and one for older kids. If you would like to download the directions and all of the pieces and questions needed for the game, just visit my website, coffeewithcarry.org, and you'll find the link in this week's post. This is just the beginning of all the things you can do during the month of February to amp up your science studies and to learn about the heart and the circulatory system. Well, I know this podcast was a bit more technical than usual and a bit more scientific, but hopefully it encouraged you and you now can see that science is fun and easy to teach and learn. All you really need for science lessons at home are a few good Usborne or DK science encyclopedias some kitchen supplies, a few picture books, and the internet for some ideas, free diagrams, and research information. If you listened to my podcast a few months ago called The Secrets of Being a Great Teacher, you know I emphasize the importance of learning right alongside your kids. When it comes to science, you don't have to be one step ahead of them, and you certainly don't need to be an expert or know all of the answers. You can literally be teacher and student at the same time. Join your kiddos, ask questions, search for answers, do the experiments together, draw some illustrations with them, and research topics on your own. And February is a great month to reignite your love of science by learning about the heart and the circulatory system. I heart science. I hope you do too. Thanks for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. Don't forget all the resources I mentioned in this week's podcast, including the Circulation Dice Game, are listed with links at my website. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. And don't forget to check out my new book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need some fresh ideas about science this week, or share it with a friend who might need a little encouragement. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, our book, our website, and our homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and now our new book 
We'll help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. Enjoy your science explorations this month, and see you next time.